Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Before we get into today's Q&A, which, as always, is jam-packed, I do have a few things I want to cover um, some announcements, some some rambling, some ranting, some just random jargon inside of training and nutrition, which I know most of you guys appreciate, but there is context to it. There is value inside of it. Um, the first one is the recent podcast I did with Caroline. I'm going to drop that link in the show notes. We also have Coach Lisa and Coach Adam coming soon to the podcast. So we're going to be going through the whole team really so you guys can really get to know who they are and get a good introduction of their story and why they are coaches. But since we've already had Caroline on, we dove into her recent uh, bikini competition, which she won three first place trophies for. That aired on Monday, and I'm going to link that in the show notes. The reason I brought this up is, A, because I got a ton of great feedback um, just from people listening to her story. And I always think it helps to hear coaches going through the same thing that clients go through because everybody on my team has a coach. Everybody on my team trains. Everybody on my team practices nutrition and macros and so on and so forth. So hearing our perspective is always awesome. But also the fact that she went through just an insane 15-month transition and transformation, I think a lot of people specifically women can kind of relate to it or look up to it because she went from doing a ton of CrossFit to cutting for a photo shoot to mixing CrossFit and bodybuilding while reverse dieting to maintaining to lean gaining and focus only on bodybuilding to going into a cut. So she went from uh, cut to cut over 15 months and looks dramatically different. Just more density, more muscle mass and that trans formation really just shows a lot about proper periodization and women going through different phases and not just focusing on weight loss. So I really, really encourage everybody to listen to that. But the main reason I wanted to bring it up is that because we talked about her blog that she recently wrote, and I completely spaced on linking that blog inside the show notes. So I wanted to bring it up. She just recently wrote a blog kind of diving into her journey. We titled it uh, The Bikini Competitor's Diary Part 1. Uh, should you compete? So kind of diving into why she competed, what you need to know before thinking about competing, uh, kind of helping you determine if that should even be your goal. I know there's a lot of women who set the goal of bikini competitions just really so that they can lose weight. And that's just like a, a good fire under their ass, so to speak. And I don't always think that's the most appropriate goal to set if your goal is weight loss, because it can lead to a gang of different things that aren't always positive. And to be honest with you, bodybuilding is a sport. So you know, you wouldn't set the goal of making an NFL football team if your goal was, or even a semi-pro, or even like being number one flag football player in the in the state if your goal was weight loss, right? So it's it's very similar to me, um, but I think it's a really good blog. There will be a part two and part three. I'm going to link that in the show notes for those of you who are interested in reading that. Um, I wanted to bring up something really cool that I've been working on, the supplement guide, uh, more specifically, the ultimate evidence-based supplement guide. Um, I don't even know how many, there's 10,000 words in it, so it's big, 
see if I can pull it up right now. I don't know how many supplements I went over, but basically what we're, what I did is I created a really, really, really big blog. It's not even a blog. It's a guide. It's taken me a while on supplements. And I wanted to give you guys information on what supplements work, what brands to get, what dosing to get, uh, what's the difference between certain ones. For example, fish oil versus algae oil versus krill oil. What's the difference? What should you know? Um, so we went, I went through a lot. I gave basically a brief description of what the supplement is, why you should take it. If it's, uh, got any research to back up its efficacy, what brand you should take and the dosing. So there's a lot of information on every single supplement. So going through them real quick, I did BCAs, EAAs, CBD oil, creatine, monohydrate, electrolytes, pre-workout, fish oil, algae oil, krill oil, glucosamine, green tea, magnesium, melatonin, multivitamin, greens powder, probiotics, whey protein, casein protein, vitamin B12, vitamin B6, I'm sorry, vitamin B12, vitamin B6, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, beta alanine, deaspartic acid, L-citrulline, I mean, the list goes on. It's, it's literally a huge, like random stuff too. Theanine, ashwagandha, caffeine, beetroot, citrulline, apple cider vinegar, collagen, 5-HTP, MCT oils, berberine, GABA, L-tyrosine, alpha-GPC, yohimbine. <laughs> like, uh, it's kind of crazy now that I'm like reading it. Like, I don't know what compelled me to write so much. It's 21 pages long. So, I mean, really, I could just have made a freaking ebook. I really wanted to, but it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculously long. So I'm excited to drop that because it's going to give you guys a way to basically have a one-stop shop for a, a no BS guide to supplements. And the cool thing about it is if you haven't checked out our FAQ page, I'm going to link that in the show notes too. check out the FAQ page on our website. Um, it's, it's similar to a blog, but it's, it's like this where it's just a bunch of different frequently asked questions. So you can get information on supplements or coaching or training or nutrition or drop sets or cardio or high intensity versus low intensity or carbohydrates or it like so many different topics. And I link a bunch of different things, but I give answers to everything. So we took the most commonly asked questions to, from clients, podcast listeners, emails, subscribers, so on and so forth. And we did this huge FAQ on it and it's just ridiculously informative. But what we did is each and every question is a drop down menu. So basically it's just a big list and you can go to the nutrition FAQ or the training FAQ and you just go to boomboomperformance.com slash FAQ. But when you click it, it drops down like a menu for you to read. So it's not like Okay, let me scroll through here till I see someone on carbohydrates. It, no, it's like basically a table of contents. You click the table of contents and it drops you down to whatever you're looking for. Um, and then you can read that. It's, it's super, super easy. We're going to do the same exact thing with the supplement guide um, so that you can easily find exactly where to where your, your supplement that you're looking for is essentially. So super excited about that. I think you guys are going to love it. It's probably going to drop. If it didn't drop yesterday, if it dropped yesterday, I'll link it in the show notes because um, I sent it over to Tori this week. So I know it's going to take some time because it's 10,000 words. So if it's up on the website by today, you guys will have it in the show notes. I highly suggest you go look at that and see what supplements you should be taking, see which ones you can stop wasting your money on. Um, if it is not in the show notes, then expect it next week and I'll announce it again. But that is coming. Uh, another thing that's coming is the new website. So I finally can talk about this because we have a for sure date. Today I'm recording this on October 30th. So tomorrow is Halloween. Best believe I'm going to eat. This is going to sound funny and this is random, but I love Mellow Cream pumpkins. If you guys know what mellow cream pumpkins are, you're my favorite listener. It's basically just a big ass candy corn in the shape of a pumpkin. It's, <laughs> and this is, this is even funnier. 
uh, I used to work at Rite Aid and when I worked at Rite Aid during the holiday seasons, and this is before I got in shape and everything or, or during the process, holidays were my cheat day, quote unquote. I just didn't give a fuck and I would just went in on whatever holiday candy was available and on Halloween, I would just run through bags of Mellow Cream Pumpkins and they're so fucking good. So, um, yeah, so that is uh, what I'm going to smash on tomorrow night while watching some Scary movies and handing out way too much candy to the neighborhood kids because we have a lot of kids in this neighborhood. Um, and uh, where was I going with that? Oh, today is the 30th, and that means we have about one and a half to two weeks until the new site launches. Uh, the 11th of November, that week, our new website is going to launch. So it'll happen sometime on that week, if not at the latest 18th, which is the following Monday, um, we're just working out all the kinks, but we have a completely new design. And when I say a completely new design, when you go to the Boom Boom Performance website, it literally will look night and day different. So I'm really, really, really hyped up about this. I think you guys are going to like seriously enjoy it. It's just, it's honestly unbelievable what it looks like. It's, it's such a big improvement. And the coolest part about it is we made it 100% with the purpose of pushing content easier to you guys. And what I mean by that is for you to be able to read blogs easier, for you guys to access podcasts easier, for you guys to watch my videos easier on the website. Like every single aspect of the content we create, we created a website that is designed to make that more easy for you guys to see, read, and consume, which means you're going to navigate it better. It's going to give you better suggestions of what you might like from us. It's going to be easier to view on your phone. It's actually going to, whether you know it or not, and this is just some behind-the-scenes psychology, it's actually going to feel more similar to something you are used to because we've mimicked things that people are, are used to so that you feel more comfortable when you're reading the content, this is how much I give a shit about educating people for free. Um, and we're going to do that on the website. So I'm really, really excited about that. Please, please, please stay tuned. When this launches, we are going to push it on every single social media platform. And I really, really encourage every single one of you listening to this right now to just go check it out and browse the website. Um, I, there's not going to, I'm going to tell you guys right now, there's not going to be any promos. So I'm not going to send everybody there for a new website. And then you're going to get blasted with promos for a sale product or anything like that. Um, it's, it, that's not going to be the case. The case is going to simply be, I want to showcase this badass website that we've been working on for the greater part of this entire year. So I'm really, really excited about this. So stay tuned for that and please be ready to view that. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about real quick is the boom, boom elite. So this, this podcast is quote unquote sponsored by our membership site. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sponsored by myself. And the reason is because we often turn down, uh, sponsorships for the podcast, if I'm completely transparent with you, um, mainly because most of the people who have reached out, uh, reach out with a product I don't believe in, uh, or I just don't know of, and I'm not going to promote something for money when I, I don't use it. I don't know about it. I've never recommended it. I don't have any research behind it. Um, that's why the only sponsor we have, which is a very casual sponsor is Creapure because I do use their product every single day and it's just creatine monohydrate, which is one of the best supplements you could possibly ask for. Um, but because of that, uh, we like to sponsor the podcast with ourselves, our Boom Boom Elite. And there's going to be some updates with the Boom Boom Elite. So as we are shifting the website, we're also shifting some things on the Boom Boom Elite. A couple of those things. One, the whole look and feel is going to be similar to the new theme of the new website, which means it's going to be much easier to consume the exclusive content inside the Elite membership site. So if you are unfamiliar with the Elite, um, just know that 
There is all my seminar recordings, my most of my ebooks, almost all my ebooks, um, recipe guides, nutrition help, webinars, presentations from myself and other elite coaches. There is countless training programs, mobility, conditioning, so on and so forth. Um, it's going to be easier to consume all those things. So you have a ton of education. You also get access to the private Facebook forum where I do live Q and A's every week. And I'm in there every day to help answer questions and give feedback and critiques on people's exercise execution. Um, but lastly, we are updating the ability to train. So what we're going to do now is we're going to be implementing a specific software so you can access your training program via an app and it's going to get emailed directly to you every single morning as well. And I can make consistent updates. So if you want to be part of this big change that's coming up, um, right now there is no price difference, no price change yet. But things are being implemented in, things are being leveled up, things are getting better, and you're just going to have more programming from me. So so what it's going to look like going forward is basically you have two paths. You can do build, per, perform and build or perform and burn. So this is basically simple. I want you guys to move as well as possible, be as functional as possible, and perform as well as possible. I do not want to lose our biofeedback in that realm. So performance is always a key, and it's a very big component and style of the way I program design, which in my opinion keeps you athletic but also keeps things fun and you can take this path of going perform and burn which is our fat loss program or perform and build which is our muscle growth program once you go down these paths you basically get daily workouts provided by me which include conditioning and then once you go into the elite starting next month which is in actually as this airs today in November, you will also be seeing optional workouts. So for example, the uh, build and burn is six days of training, but you can sub out the fourth optional day or uh, one of the conditioning days for an extra isolation day. Or if you want to add a fifth day on the performance build, you can add a isolation day. These isolation days are a one day per week program, which is basically going to specialize in shoulders and arms, chest, back, glutes, quads, so on and so forth. Abs, we already have that one in there. Just arms. So there's going to be isolated programs where all you focus on is those body parts. So if you need to bring up volume in a certain area just to elicit a better change or to just create more hypertrophy, you just tack on this add-on day and now you can do so. The standalone programs don't need it whatsoever. So if you just follow build and burn or, or I'm sorry, perform and burn or perform and build, you don't need anything added on. To be completely transparent with you guys, I'm going to be starting perform and build and I'm not adding anything to it. It's just perform and build. So you can actually do my exact training program with me an upper lower split with performance as a key metric and a focus. Um, but the cool thing about this is again, you're going to be, it's going to be delivered every single week through an app. You're going to have access to me in the group and with, through this app, and we're going to be delivering this and making it much more easy for people to follow along and train with us. And we're giving extra options for those who need more volume in isolated areas. And we're upgrading the entire membership portal site so that you can access content better. So I'm really excited about this because the elite is one of my babies. Um, it is my membership site. It's my inner circle. It's my community. It's where all these people invest their time and energy into getting better. And we communicate about it almost every day. So if you want to be a part of this group, if you want to get access to my training programs that are delivered every single week and soon enough, starting next week are going to be delivered in a much more practical and efficient manner and at no extra cost as of now, Jump in the, on this right now. I can't encourage you enough. There's no long-term commitment. Click the link in the show notes and head over to the boomboomperformance.com slash elite page. Last thing I wanted to mention before we dive into the actual questions is game changers. Game changers, game changers, game changers. 
there's a couple things I'm going to pull up before I do. The Game Changers movie. I'm not a fan. I'm just going to say that. So the, the first thing I want to bring up is uh, a post from I saw from Lane Norton, which was pretty damn funny. Um, <laughs> it has four pictures of brains. The first one is not really doing much. just a brain. Carbohydrate-based diet is helpful for endur endurance performance. And then the next one ha is a brain, but it's like glowing. Plant-based is superior for fighting sports. The next brain is like shining out of the head like crazy. Gladiators were vegans. And then the last one is like exploding. It says Conor McGregor lost to Nate Diaz because he ate a steak. <laughs> and it's funny. And uh, and he talked a lot about the uh, – I encourage you to go read the post because it is it is a good post. Uh, and it's, it's, it's talking about this movie. But essentially this uh, – movie is is essentially a shocking new documentary that will change the way you look at meat so it's 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 much it's basically about eliminating meat out of your diet and i think the problem with this is is a few things number one the people used as anecdotal figures meaning these people that are condoning this inside the movie all created physiques and performances like they they created their athleticism or their physiques based on a diet that included meat so nobody in uh, to my knowledge i haven't seen the movie again but to my knowledge every athlete they're using as an example inside this movie created success with the addition of animal-based products and by no means am i saying don't eat vegetables i think that's the difference between a plant-based diet and a vegan diet is a plant-based diet is just enforcing that we should have a lot of plants which we should but it also includes animal products because we we truly do need animal products to thrive now it doesn't mean you can't get away with veganism um, we have a blog that we writ about this to help people which i'll link in the show notes um, i'm gonna do a podcast on that completely soon too and i've also helped tons of different vegans and vegetarians and there's nothing wrong with that if it's an, a personal and an ethical reasoning i'm all about it i support it and again i help clients succeed with it however to say or argue that meat is bad for you is just incorrect um there's been study after study after study after study that shows meat is not bad for you especially when it's sourced properly so if you're buying grass-fed beef if you're buying cage-free eggs if you're buying organic uh, pasture-raised, uh, cage-free chickens, things like that, quality dairy. It's actually very healthy, and it's full of a lot of nutrients that we actually can't get in abundance or at all from a plant-based diet, which is – or a, I should say a vegan diet, which is the issue. Um, we need some of these fats. We need some of these vitamins and minerals, and we need some of these this creatine and these amino acids that support anabolism and growth as a human um, so I disagree with their thought process and I, and I don't like that they brought in big names to try to condone this likely, which they paid, um, who are people who did not create what they created off a of vegan or vegetarian diet, which is why it doesn't make sense to me. Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're the greatest bodybuilder of all time. Arguably you ate a lot of meat. There was, there's actually a lot of times where all he ate was meat practically, um, very high protein diet. Um, so I, I just – I don't agree with it. Even, even some of the athletes will talk about how they went vegan recently or later on, but they created a very strong base of muscle mass and performance with the uh, inclusion of meat. Now, this isn't me arguing for massive amounts or quantities of protein in animal-based products, but it is me arguing that you do need the minimal effective dose of 
good protein sources from animals and fatty sources from animals like omega-3 fatty acids, for example, um, and a lot of vitamins and minerals, calcium, B12, uh, iron, creatine, stuff like that. So it's very, very important for us to get some of these vitamins, minerals, and things from animal sources. So I, I, I just think that it's, I just think that it's wrong to say that we can't have them. And I think it's, I think it's wrong to try and create a black and white or dogmatic approach or to create fear mongering or propaganda around meat. And that's what this movie is doing. And that's what all Netflix documentaries do. If there was a Netflix documentary on flexible dieting, it would say like, Hey, let's all just get along. Let's create balance and let's all have a piece of the pie. We're all winning. We all have good points. We all have benefits, right? There, there is a benefit to having a ton of vegetables in your diet. There is a benefit to having high quality fats in your diet like keto. There is a benefit to carnivore. And it's not that you're only eating meat. It's that you're eliminating a lot of foods that create intolerances and sensitivities and stress inside of your gut. Um, there is a benefit to flexible dieting, especially from a, a, a mental approach. Approach. There is a benefit to rigid meal plans because it helps you plan, stay structured, and see success. Um, and weight loss leads to better health all around. There, there's so many benefits to everything, paleo, everything. Flexible dieting says, hey, we're all right in some contexts. Let's put our heads together and create a structured system that effectively gets results and keeps people happy, right? And consistently happy and consistently seeing results. Like that's the whole point. So my opinion of this this movie is really just that it's, it's propaganda, it's fear-mongering, and it's just another Netflix fad diet that is trying to literally put fear or sell you snake oil and just basically say this one thing is bad. This one thing is why you are losing, not losing weight. This one thing is why you're unhealthy. It's like, no, it's not the case. The reason you are unhealthy is because you're highly stressed, you're highly stimulated, and you're likely in a caloric surplus, probably from highly palatable ultra processed foods, right? So if we eliminate some of these highly palatable ultra processed foods, 80% of them, 90% of them, keeping a little bit around so you have some flexibility and can enjoy yourself, we lower stress and better manage our stress, we get more sleep, we remove so much stimulants from our life, meaning caffeine, blue lights, uh, staying up late watching TV, um, negative stuff, fuck, like that's why I don't watch the news or anything like that. And we exercise and we stay in a, in a proper caloric balance. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to be extremely healthy. You're going to live very long. You're going to have no poor health markers. And you're probably going to like the way you look. So I've been getting a lot of questions of Game Changers. Part of me doesn't even want to watch it because Arnold Schwarzenegger has been a hero of mine for a lo long time. And to see him being a big proponent of a propaganda inside the diet industry disappoints me. It kind of makes me sad to be completely transparent. So part of me is like, ah, I don't want to watch this shit. Um, but I know I have to, and I will soon. Uh, I just, I'm just not a fan so far of what I see. And I think it's, it's mainly fear mongering. I think it's another Netflix fad diet documentary. I think it's going to consistently be debunked and proven wrong by studies from great people in the industry. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't condone it. Um, I honestly, I don't believe that a vegan or vegetarian diet is the healthiest. I think a vegetarian diet can be because you can still have eggs and, and fish, um, and if you do that, I think you could be for sure. I don't think a vegan diet is the healthiest way to be. I do support those who are because if they have ethical purposes, I, I actually do completely understand their ethical reasoning. I'm just very big on supplementation when they're in that state. We need to make sure we're getting proper saturated fat, omega-3s, vitamins, minerals, things like that. Um, amino acids, things like that to make sure. And it can be expensive and kind of tedious to take that many supplements. 
but I think it's needed. It's necessary. And there's a lot of studies to show. So I think the best approach to dieting, to be honest with you, is a flexible diet approach where you are plant-based, but you're also having animal, high quality sourced animal foods. Um, like for me, I, I mainly get my protein from eggs, um, organic dairy, um, either organic whey protein or organic Greek yogurt, or organic cottage cheese, um, eggs, grass-fed, grass-finished steak from ButcherBox, and fish. Um, I don't eat much chicken, um, rarely. I don't eat turkey, um, and I try to keep it that. So if you're sourcing your, your proteins and your animal products from really high-quality places, you're going to be extremely healthy, and you're probably going to see better results. So that's just my rant on that. I just wanted to touch on these few things. I'm going to link all that stuff I talked about in the uh, show notes. I keep getting asked about Game Changers, so I had to bring it up. I will still go watch it, and I will do a full um, analysis or review um, I'm actually flying out next Friday to Philadelphia for the RP Summit, Renaissance Periodization. If anybody listening to this is going to be there, holler at me on Instagram. We'll meet up. We'll meet. That'd be really cool. Um, I will be there with Austin Current and Matt McLeod. So we're going to go. We got Airbnb out there. We're going to hang out, do some podcasting, and check out the seminar. Hopefully, I'll be able to watch this on the plane over, and then maybe, uh, maybe the, us three can do a little bit of a review on it, um, but I don't know if they've seen it. So, All right, on to the questions. Juhi is first sent in an email on the Ask Boom Boom Forum, which you can check out at uh, boomboomforums.com slash podcast. Hi, Cody. Huge fan of your show and love your commitment to help others reach their goals. I will be undergoing arthroscopic shoulder repair surgery and will be in a sling for six weeks. During my recovery, I am going to be very limited in my ability to resist and strain. What exercises would you suggest that I can do safely to maintain my muscle mass as much as possible during those six weeks? I'm nervous. I'm very nervous about gaining weight and losing progress. I have been resistance training for about a year and a half at this point. I figure I can focus more on growing my glutes and legs, but doubt I'll be able to handle a barbell. I'll I'll be able to barbell squat or incorporate much weight that involves my arms and shoulders. Also, do you suggest – okay, so I'm going to start with the training before I dive into your nutrition. Um, So you're going to be – maintain as much muscle mass as possible during those six weeks. There's definitely going to be a nutrition component, but there's a lot of research on blood flow restriction, and there's also research on blood flow restriction versus high rep training. So, And they both create the same basic uh, stimulus. The difference is is – with blood flow restriction, I can use very light loads and I can do 10 reps and I'm going to get that extreme pump, let's say. Um, likely you have to go towards 15 to 20, especially on the first set. Usually you do short rest periods and then you start with like 20 to 30 reps, then drop down to 10, 15 each preceding set and then you unstrap. Well, we can get that same effect by staying at you know 30 to 50 reps the first set and then going 20 to 25 reps on the preceding sets with short rest periods without cuffing using blood flow restriction and then we're going to get the same basic benefit of blood flow to the muscle and kind of having that extreme lactate and metabolite accumulation so i don't see any serious reason uh for you to lose muscle mass if you are doing that so the best thing for you to do is is i don't know how when are you getting surgery you don't say when you're getting surgery, but if I knew you were getting surgery and I knew that you could still hold and lift weights up until then, I would say, hey, let's lift heavy, do some low volume training up until surgery so you can get the strength adaptation going. And then as soon as surgery hits, we're doing everything in the very, very high uh, metabolite threshold range. So everything is like 
20 to 50 reps. It's body weight or very light load or like band resistant. So it's like a constant resistance curve. Um, so the strength profile, the, the resistance profile is basically nonstop tension. And your focus is just to get a pump on everything. This might not increase strength, but what it will do is either A, increase muscle mass, or B, at least maintain muscle mass, especially in the, the areas that you can do this in. Um, so for your legs, the best thing to do is do high, high rep training since you can't really load things too much. And anything you can load, you're going to load significantly having to do low volume with. So for example, if you can leg press, and, and actually if, if I was going to get really specific, I'd probably use a, utilizing a lot of machines because you could go one day, you could do a DUP style with your legs and go one day of like five by fives on like leg press, leg extension, which I probably wouldn't recommend going that low rep and heavy weight. But you could do a uh, low rep, like four to six reps, and do very, very slow eccentrics. Or you can even do five to six per side and do two-one technique where you go leg extension, both legs up, slow negative with one. That's the safest way to overload a leg extension. Um, but let's say you do low rep, heavy weight one day, like Monday, and you go leg press and or hack squat, uh, leg extension, lying leg curls, seated leg curls, um, and let's see, technically you, if you have access to a safety bar, you could probably do like a safety bar squat. Um, you could do hip abduction. So basically just like high resistance, high intensity legs, all bands, all machines. Wednesday you do legs again and it's the same thing, but it's a little bit lighter and you go like four by eight. And then on Friday you do legs again. So let's say eight to 10 and then Friday you do legs again. It's all body weight and or bands and or very light on the machine. So if you do like leg extension again, for example, and you're going like 20, 30, 40, 50 reps, blood flow restriction, if you can do that, and you're just going for extreme metabolite training. On Tuesday and Saturday or Tuesday and Wednesday, if you want to take a whole weekend off, you're doing cardio. So maybe you're just walking for 30 minutes on the treadmill, you do a little bit of abs, and you do some upper body. The upper body would be uh, basically all right dominant. So you can't do too much. You don't want to do a ton of volume, but you want to do some maintenance volume. And although you can't use your left side or your right side, I don't think you said what side you're getting surgery on, you should still train your, your good side a little bit, even if you're just doing it once a week. Or like I said, what I would do is twice a week, but I would do it on a cardio abs day. So you're only spending 10 to 20 minutes doing your upper body, taking your time with it. But you're doing a little bit of volume on your good side because 30 to 35% of that strength is, is neural adaptation that's going to transfer to the left side. I keep saying left because that's where I had my surgery on my left knee. But for example, I, I maintained some good strength on my left leg during surgery because I was still doing pistol squats with body weight. I was still doing single leg, leg extension, single leg, lying leg curls. Like when I could like wiggle my way into a machine while wearing my cast, I would do some like right leg dominant exercises just enough to stimulate the nervous system. And that's going to carry over to your left side because it's a neurologic adaptation, not a direct muscle tissue adaptation. So I would suggest doing that, but I would do like three days of legs. I would do a DUP style where you have a low rep, moderate, rep, very high rep day. Uh, mainly machines and bands and body weight for everything. And then I would do a little bit of uh, good side training on your upper body just to maintain that strength. And then for nutrition, you basically ask like, what are your suggestions on how to adjust macros while recovering? You are currently 98 pounds and I've been maintaining 120 protein, 215 carbs, 50 fat. I train five times per week and generally incorporate 10 to 20 minutes of light cardio after each session. So I would take the cardio out of the leg day since those are going to be brutal and you're doing legs three days a week now, heavy. 
or hard at least, and I would just make I, w- I would take the same amount of minutes. So let's say you're doing 30 to 60 minutes right now of cardio total. I would still do 30 to 60 minutes total per week, but I would only do it on Tuesday and Thursdays or Tuesday and Saturdays, those days you're not training. And then I would probably just bump up your protein. I wouldn't change your car- carbs or fats. You might want to lower your carbs a little bit on those non-training days um, if you're really worried about it, but you're 98 pounds. I assume you're, you're relatively short and you're probably pretty fit. I would possibly bump up your protein to 1.5 grams per pound just because there is some evidence to suggest that 1.2 to 1.5 grams per pound may help uh, muscle protein maintenance um, and and avoid catabolism during injury. You might want to supplement with collagen. This is one of the times where I would suggest collagen because it does – has been shown to help during – like it helps with burn victims and it also helps with tendon ligaments, stuff like that. So it may be advantageous for during surgery or during recovery from surgery. I used it for that purpose. Um, I also would probably supplement with BCAAs or EAAs during your workout or right after because there is some evidence to show that might help as well. Um, But that would be my basic breakdown for you. Rhiannon Healy. Determining your MRV and MEV, your maximum recoverable volume and your minimum effective volume. I think this is honestly a very meticulous process that takes a long time that I honestly don't believe very many people should actually worry about. If you're a serious bodybuilder, yeah, you should probably think about it. Um, General weight loss, I don't think they need to be concerned with it too much. And you have to also like remember that if you do take this into it, and the first thing I will say too is if you're going to dive into this, either A, read uh, RP's landmarks. I'll link those in the show notes or get um, or both because the landmarks are free and I actually link them uh, as a cited source in my book. But get Built For You. Built For You dives into this exact thing. Like I literally break down all the uh, volume landmarks, all the thresholds. I literally break down how to program them, how to watch them, how to track them, how to adjust them. So that's going to be my go-to answer because it's easier for me to give you a book that says, hey, look at all these re- these things that you should do and think about and consider versus me trying to explain it to you in a simple answer. But for the most part, I think you should just start tracking your volume and then adjust your biofeedback or, or tracking your volume and, and tracking your biofeedback and adjust your volume accordingly as time goes on. I think the best route, but like we have to remember too, you have to commit to a specific style for training of training for a long time in order for this to be effective. Meaning you have to say for the next year, I'm going to focus on bodybuilding style training. I'm going to focus on these, this upper lower split, so on and so forth, because otherwise it's almost impossible to truly record and try to adjust because if you're constantly train changing the style of your training, it's going to be damn near literally impossible to calculate and adjust this volume accordingly. Because if I go from a high volume to a high intensity to a moderate to a speed to a powerlifting program, my intensity waves so much and my tonnage, so my technical volume, weight times reps times sets is adjusting up and down based on the type of training I'm doing, the split I'm doing, the type of movement patterns I'm doing. Um, and volume is not equated for. So a, a volume on a deadlift, which is glute and hamstrings, is completely different than volume on a hip thrust or a volume on a lying leg curl, all which are the same muscle groups. However, the uh, central fatigue is completely different. Um, the joint fatigue is completely different. The actual stress of adaptation is different. The type of movement pattern is different too. So the contraction, the stretch shortening cycle of that movement is completely different also. So I think people need to take volume with a grain of salt and focus on ranges versus exact numbers. 
um, and just track biofeedback accordingly. Um, I think that's the best way to go. But this is also why I prefer a conjugate slash daily undulated periodization model where we go, hey, two days a week are, are upper, two days a week are lower. One of the uppers and lowers is going to be a more low rep max effort day. One of the up, uh, one of the uppers and lowers is going to be a higher rep, moderate weight. So basically we have one day where we're, we maybe we're doing like the new, uh, for example, perform and build program that's launching soon is in the elite is honestly, I love it. But one day we're in the, basically that one to five rep range, um, for our compound. And then we're staying in like somewhat lower, moderate, rep ranges for heavier loads and then the next upper day for example or lower day is going to be in the like three to seven rep range for the compound and then we're going to be in the eight to 20 rep range for um, the accessories and isolation work because it's a moderately heavy day but it's a higher metabolite lactate blood flow so on and so forth day so I think that's easier because then we don't have to switch it phase to phase it's easier to track consistent volume over time because my volume is more equated equally However, we have to, again, remember that not all movements have the exact same volume um, or the exact same effect within the same volume. So you can do the same exact volume on an RDL and a lying leg curl, but they're two completely different types of contractions, which means that the volume is just not equal. So it's, it's very, very hard. But what I would say is you have to basically, if you're truly going to like dive into this and worry about it, um, you basically have to pick some staple movements that you don't change. So if you have a seven to 10 day micro cycle, pick your movements, don't change them for four or five months, track your volume, increase your volume over time and watch your biofeedback until you hit a point where you hit your maximum recoverable volume. You'll know because you'll be dying for a deload. And when you get to that point, you need to deload and you'll bring it down to MEV. You'll know your MEV because it's your minimum effective volume. So you need to bring your volume down to maintenance. So just below. At this point, you, you basically deload for, let's say, two weeks. You know you're not seeing any gains. You know you're not seeing any changes in your physique. However, you feel much better and you're not losing progress, which means that this is your minimum, uh, your maintenance volume, basically, MV. And then you bring that just slightly up. Let's say you add a set per muscle group. Now you experience a little bit of soreness. Boom, you're at MEV, minimum effective volume. That's the best way I can describe it on a podcast, uh, but I would highly recommend checking out my Built For You book. I have a ton of great reviews, ton of really big names and popular people in the industry and smart coaches that that really, really appreciated the book. So I, it's one of my uh, proud pieces, and I highly recommend everybody checking it out. Annie Hopper, refeeds. How often is too often? What's the difference between refeeds and simply calorie slash macro cycling? Should the focus be on upping overall calories in the form of protein, carbs, and fat? Does it matter? I'm fairly new to your podcast, so this may have been already addressed. If so, no sweat. Still going to answer it, Annie, um, and I appreciate you being here and being a new listener. However, I have probably answered a similar question a million times because the refeeds have been a hot topic on the podcast. There's probably a bunch of episodes. Um, however, I think, I think this is a great way of phrasing it the way you ask the question. So um, we'll start with each. We'll, we'll just kind of go piece by piece. Refeeds. How often is too often? This depends on the person. Um, you know, there, there's different forms of refeeding. So you could refeed every third day. You could refeed every fourth day, which is a classic bodybuilding dietary split, which is basically like two low days followed by high day or three low days followed by high day, which is basically just a way of, yes, carb cycling, but just influxing calories up via carbohydrates so that you replenish glycogen, recover, and then you can get back to training and following these low days. So that's an effective approach for sure. Um, 
but it's not the typical refeed. A typical refeed is once a week you have a refeed day. So six days in a deficit, one day of refeeding. Um, now, you could also push that to every 14th day. So every other week you get a refeed. When we're doing a single refeed, there's two purposes. Replenish glycogen, which will have a temporary performance enhancement, meaning um, as you deplete glycogen, you deplete carbs in your system. Usually when you're following a low-calorie diet or your carbs are lower than what the, where they need to be to maintain healthy and increased performance, you just deplete slowly. So you slowly deplete your glycogen, a.k.a. carbohydrate stores. Once you get to that point, you replenish them with a high-carb day. Usually what that means is you bring calories up to maintenance in the form of carbohydrates. So you keep protein and fats the same, and you just bring your carbs up to that maintenance calorie. So if you're dieting on 1,500 calories but your maintenance is 2,000, you would add 500 calories via carbohydrates. Um, that's a big refeed, but it's just an example because that's easy math, and I'm horrible at math. Um, but... That is a typical refeed. Now, for some people, they need longer in a deficit, and they also need longer between to deplete glycogen. So a common thing we see is like we'll refeed every other week. So every other Saturday is a refeed. As you start progressing and losing weight, you need to replenish that glycogen more often because your glycogen depletes faster as you get leaner. So you might start with a refeed every two weeks and then like, you know, four, five, six weeks down the line, you've lost some weight. Now we bump to every 10th day. So right in that 10th or 11th day, about halfway through. So about a week and a half, boom, in the middle of the week, every every week and a half, you take a refeed day. And then after a few more weeks of losing, you bring it to every seventh day. So now it's once a week. And then eventually you might get to a point where you're just doing two or three low days followed by a high day. Because as you get leaner and as you get more depleted, two things happen. A, you replenish or you deplete glycogen faster as you get leaner. Therefore, you need to replenish glycogen more frequently so that you can actually uh, have good performance. Because all you're really doing right there is you're replenishing your fuel for training so you can train better, get a better pump, recover faster. Um, it's a temporary thing. So it's not something that's going to exponentially increase muscle mass or performance, but it's temporarily going to refuel you so you can perform better and build a little bit more muscle, get a better pump essentially. Um the other piece of this is psychological. As we diet and get leaner, we get accumulated diet fatigue, fatigue from dieting. It's more of a psychological factor. It's more of a mental state where you just simply get tired of dieting. You're uh, avoiding foods. You're being more strict. You're tracking. It wears on you mentally, emotionally, um, and physically, of course. And then at that point, it's time for a diet uh, a refeed or a diet break just to give you a mental break, have some more food. It feels better. But again, it's very temporary. Um the difference between, you ask the difference between that and calorie cycling is typically a refeed is one day where we plan ahead. Um, Multi-day refeeds or diet breaks, which I'll get to here in a sec. But calorie cycling is when you purposely go up and down, up and down, up and down. So a typical way of doing this is low, moderate, high, low, moderate, high. So that's a three-day carb cycle. You can do just training days and off days. So you might train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are high-carb days. Wednesday, Friday, Sunday are low-carb days. You're just basically undulating carbs and calories up and down as you train. Um, so there's multiple forms, but typically refeeds are just a single day. Calorie cycling or carb cycling is when you have multiple days, not consecutive, so multiple unconsecutive days throughout the week that you are bringing carbs up and down. Um, you asked, should the focus be on upping overall calories in the form of protein, carbs, or fat? Typically, it's just carbs. So 
the, in my opinion, the smartest thing to do is literally just change carbs. So what you're going to do is you're going to bring calories up to maintenance level via carbohydrates. If you don't know what your true maintenance level is, a good recommendation is start by adding 50 to 65 grams of carbs on those higher carb days. See how your body responds. Um, you should have a little bit of a weight fluctuation just because your body will retain more water with carbohydrates. It's not a bad thing. It's usually intracellular in the muscle, so it's good. Um, however, your weight should drop back down quickly and or your weekly average weight should still lower. If your weekly average weight is not lowering back down or your body struggles to drop weight after a high carb or calorie day or two, it's typically a sign that your body A, is, is not healthy enough to lose fat. It's not ready to lose fat because anybody should be able to go have a free meal or a cheat meal or a day of eating that's not completely out of control and we should see that fluctuation go away pretty quick. Now, full-blown binge for a day, that could leave some extra water weight and weight fluctuations for a few days. But if you're just having an extra 50 to 100 grams of carbs on a refeed day, your, your weight should drop back down pretty shortly within a few days for sure. Um, and you shouldn't feel lethargic, sad, emotional, anything like that. It should be a very like, oh, that felt good. I feel better in the gym. I still look lean. I feel tighter. And then it goes right back to normal. Um, the only other macronutrient that you may adjust would be protein. Like from a science perspective, you would drop protein because carbs are protein sparing, meaning you don't need as much carbs when you're at or above maintenance as compared to a deficit. So let's say you're eating 1.2 grams per pound of body weight and protein during your diet and you have a refeed day, you might lower your, your protein down to one gram per pound while you increase carbs. But the fact is that protein is so unbelievably difficult to be stored as, as fat that I don't see any reason for it. If, if you fall short on protein that day, don't stress it because you know carbs are more protein sparing. However, I like to just keep it the same because it's easier for planning purposes. If somebody's used to consuming this amount of protein, just leave it because it's less planning. It's less thought process. It's just easier for them to do. So to just keeping it there is probably the best bet. Um, last but not least would be fats. The only reason I see any reason to adjust fats would be increasing fat slightly for adherence. So for example, if you go from maybe you're eating 100 and 85 protein, 150 carb, 50 fat. You're on a pretty low calorie diet right now. You're grinding away and we have a refeed date and we bump the, the calorie, the carbs up from 150 to 250. That's 100 grams of carbs. There might be three to five grams of trace fats within that. Let's say you add some oats, you add some bread, you add some whole grains, whatever it may be. Maybe there's a little bit of fats that come along with it. We might bump your fats from 50 to 53 or 55 just to make room for those extra carbs and not have you forced to try to pull fats out of your diet and make the diet less feasible. Um, the last part of this, what I would say is a diet break. A diet break is a multi-day refeed. So this is where we take at least two, um, but most research shows three or more. So ideally diet breaks are typically three to seven days long. If we want to reverse any of the negative adaptations, so negative hormonal or metabolic adaptations that occur during dieting. If we are simply looking to replenish glycogen, um, and blunt the negative adaptations, meaning slow them down or stop them temporarily. So if we look at a six-month diet period, if we take a bunch of two-day refeeds along the way, we consistently stop that metabolic adaptation from happening, uh, but we didn't reverse it, um, which is still helpful. So two days is going to be more of a insurance policy to slow that process down, slow that metabolic adaptation down. Um, but three days or more is going to be uh, enough to actually try to reverse it to an extent. Obviously, the, the more days at maintenance, the better. Um, like when it matters is carb cycling is great for better adherence. If your weekly calories are the same, 
it doesn't really matter. There's no huge benefit to carb cycling besides the fact that for some people, it's easier to have a few low, really low days than it is to have a bunch of moderately low days. Like I'd rather spend two or three days a week of really low carbs and have a little bit more fats in my diet um, and have those four or five days of training days with really high carbs versus having seven days a week of just eh, kind of low, kind of high, moderate, like you know what I mean? Like that helps me adhere better. Um, as you get lower and lower, sometimes it helps to have more carbs on training days just for performance reasons. So although the weekly caloric deficit determines fat loss, having those higher carbs around training may just promote better performance and that may lead to better results over time. So there is merit to it there. Um, so I would see the benefit there for sure. Um, and then last but not least, I would say the diet breaks when we're doing uh, refeeds are going to be psychological and replenishing glycogen. I kind of already explained that. And then the last one is the diet breaks. That is purely going to be if you're doing a long-term diet, we don't have a deadline and we want to make sure that we're restoring or uh, maintaining metabolic and hormonal health along the way. So this is pr- practiced quite often in, in our coaching for lifestyle clients who are like, hey, I want to get as lean as possible. I want to maintain muscle mass and I don't want to feel like shit. I don't have any deadline to get this lean, but I want to get really lean. I'm going to use diet breaks more than anything, um, probably every 10 to 30 days because I want to make sure that we're maintaining metabolic health, hormonal health, and muscle mass. Um, I'm more concerned about that than rushing to a fat loss result. Like I see a lot of people who can't use these because they're spending so much time at maintenance, which is part of the point of in reason it helps you stay healthy. But when you spend too much time at maintenance like that, it takes you out of a deficit for too long as well. So when we're out of a deficit for too long, we're not losing weight. Um, so I hope that helps. That, that was a really long answer for that, but I think that's a really, really good answer. So um, we're going to answer one more, and I'm going to save the rest of these for next week. Let's go with uh, Kay Eastman. I stopped doing CrossFit last year and went to bodybuilding, but I miss the CrossFit community and want to incorporate it back. Would one to two CrossFit workouts per week and three to four uh, bodybuilding workouts per week be an okay mix? I'm currently doing one to two times running slash tennis and three to four times bodybuilding. Um, I think at this point you're just doing too much. I don't think it's a matter of what you're doing. It's a matter of how much you're doing because, for example, if you're doing – one to two CrossFits, three to four bodybuildings, one to two uh, running and tennis. Now we're doing potentially two, four, eight sessions at most and one, two, three, four, five at the least. Five is plenty. So I have a lot of clients that do um, – I, like I think that it goes like this. You're either doing half and half or you're doing one-third and two-third. And what that means is like you're either doing – one CrossFit workout and uh, three to four bodybuilding workouts, or you're doing two CrossFit workouts and two to three bodybuilding workouts, or you're doing three CrossFit workouts and you're doing one to two bodybuilding workouts. So there has to be an emphasis on one or the other, depending on what your main goal is. So if your main goal is aesthetics, but you want to be a part of the CrossFit community and you do like the performance aspect, I would suggest doing two CrossFit workouts and three bodybuilding workouts. That's five per day. I would cut out running. I would do tennis still. You're fine doing that. I would cut out running because that's a lot too, and you're probably going to be doing some running in CrossFit. But we just have to remember like what your personal threshold is. You don't want to overload on too many things that are just stimulating a lot. I see a lot of success with clients doing two days a week of CrossFit and three days a week of bodybuilding, um, and some even doing three days a week of CrossFit and two days of bodybuilding, either one. like It's it's, a, it's basically a three and two or a two, two and three model depending on what your goal is. If somebody's doing CrossFit right now and their goal is aesthetics, I'll do more bodybuilding, less CrossFit. Um, and any added cardio is simply neat, just more steps per day or walking. 
um, and if their goal is more CrossFit, but maybe their performance is being hindered because they have imbalances, they need to build more muscle to be able to hang, um, they have strength weaknesses, so on and so forth, we'll incorporate bodybuilding, but we're still going to do more CrossFit because CrossFit is their predominant thing that they are focused on. Um, so I think it's a great split. I actually think it's an awesome way to incorporate some kind of functional performance inside of bodybuilding. So we're not just prioritizing uh, one or the other. Um, if you were somebody listening that trains alone, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, the reason I say that is because I think the, the golden thing here, the big key here is within the question is that you miss the community. Because of that, I'm all about it. And I think that's a huge part of training. I think it's really smart and good to be a part of a community. But if somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, I want performance and I want aesthetics, I work out alone, I'm probably not going to implement any CrossFit. Um, I'm going to implement something actually like, not to toot my own shit, but something like Perform and Burn or Perform and Build, which will be the programs launching. uh, Very similar to, for those listening that are in the elite, very similar to my performance bodybuilding uh, training program that a lot of you just ran where we are very focused on aesthetics, but there's a lot of performance and functional movements incorporated in it. And we're still working in uh, EDTs, EMOMs, circuits, supersets, explosive movements, things like that, that push the pace, increase your heart rate, um, implement some kind of intensity or performance factors while also chasing aesthetics. So I think there's a balance to be had Um, if you love the CrossFit community and that's the easiest way for you to do it, I have a lot of clients that do either half and half or it's like, two-thirds of one and that two-thirds of whatever route you take whether that's cross or bodybuilding needs to be your main priority or the thing you have the most fun doing but I personally have seen a lot of people who their CrossFit's their main thing, but they were just burnt out. So we implemented a couple of days of bodybuilding instead. So now they're doing three CrossFit, two bodybuilding, and they did better in CrossFit and they beat more people and they did better at their local comps because they created that recovery and they create kind of fix those imbalances. Um, and it just it, it, having that undulated intensity is a game changer. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.